praise the Lord. Isn't that a great hymn to sing? How great he is. And so we worship him by telling him how great thou art. Well, we're in the book of Micah, and this is our second meeting of 2023, by my calculation. <laughs> and um, I just thought it would be good to start this year with a, with a vision for what we want to see happen in our midst. Okay? And it's, we, we want to see God's kingdom advance. Amen. It's not just about our church. It's about the kingdom of God. And so it's, it's good to have fellowship with other people from other churches. On our Saturday morning meeting, um, we have that. People come from different backgrounds, different churches. Um, and um, so we want to see God's kingdom advance. So it's not just bless us four and no more, you know, type of prayers. Not just Bless Gab and Gad, because the rest are mad and bad. <laughs> Amen? Or sad. Um, it's, it's let God's kingdom come. So we just read about that in Micah chapter 4, just very quickly. I just, it's important to look at that, as I said, there's a parallel passage to this in Isaiah. In the last days it shall come to pass. Are we in the last days? Well, we're always in the last days because... Every day that goes by, the days are laster. Amen? <laughs> laster than the day before. So we are in the last days. We look around and we see a lot of stuff going on that none of us have ever seen. Um, maybe some of you remember the Second World War. Um, you know, not looking at anybody or pointing any fingers. <laughs> Just a joke. Anyway. But in the last war, of course, a very perilous times. And, you know, I was very conscious of that growing up. Um, you know, as a wee boy, you, you, you were fixated on the Second World War, the First World War, and all that. Um, so I used to study it a lot. So I was aware of it, although, um, and it's hard to believe I was a wee boy in the 70s. Some of you may be thinking, late 90s, maybe. But I was very aware of it. Remember, you used to get action men. And the only action men were British or, or Jerry's, weren't they? Uh, that, would be, that wouldn't be PC now. But we're in the last days, so things are worse. Because we've never had the threats that we've had now um, about particularly nuclear war. And I'm not being doom and gloom saying that. Um, I don't read the mainstream about it. I read uh, the real news about it and the build-up to nuclear war is a lot more advanced than, than most people are aware. And you can find that out online. But, you know, we don't live in fear. And we do believe that God can overrule and over, overwhelm the intentions of evil men. And I'm not saying, uh, you know, naming any names, but there's baddies on both sides. Anyway. But in the last days it shall come to pass that the mountain of the house of Yahweh, or the, the, the Lord's house, shall be exalted, or established, sorry, in the top of the mountains, and it shall be exalted above the hills, and people shall flow into it. Mountains in Scripture are a metaphor for kingdoms, or empires, or powers. The British Empire was a mountain. France is a mountain. The European Union is a mountain. 
Some people would say Facebook is a mountain. Why? Because there's millions of people gathered into it. So mountains means powers, kingdoms, empires, um, and so on. And it's a metaphor for countries, nations, so on, kingdoms. But what is saying here in the last days, the days we live in, the mountain of God's house. Now, where is God's house then? Let me tell you where it is. You're in it. And you are it. Okay? The Bible says that we are the house of God in this new covenant era. And of course, church is, is the house of God, isn't it? Not the building. Or, amen. It's not the building, but the people in the building. So God's house is the church. And it's saying, in the last days, the church will be... Now, that's not to say that we're... That he's not talking about the Pope. Even the Catholic one. Did you know there's a few Protestant Popes going around? Amen? He's not talking about somebody establishing a church that, that dominates everybody. He's talking about just the folks, the people of God. And it's not a, it's not a tyrannical thing. Okay? But what it is, is how, how, how then can we be above all the kingdoms and empires of this world? There's a simple way. Prayer, preaching, being a Christian, living for God, means, as Jesus says, you are the salt of the world, you are the light of the world. In other words, it's by influence and by prayer. Okay? So your prayers are more powerful than you could probably imagine at this moment in time. Um, and we need to, to learn that. That's why we pray every week. And let me just say this, if we didn't pray every week, things would be a whole lot worse. And thankfully, other, we were talking about that yesterday, we, we recently had uh, dinner with some folks, um, nice folks from the Elam churches, and they, were, they, they have weekly prayer meetings for the nation. We were ashamed because they actually have a dedicated prayer meeting. You sit and talk to these folks, you would never have dreamed. But they have a weekly prayer meeting for the nation. And many, many churches do. And that prayer is probably what's holding things together. Even though things are bad, it would be a whole lot worse without it. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again because it's so important. When, when I was at school... Um, and I know some of you think that was not long ago. But we used to have school assembly in the morning. And in every assembly, our Father, which art in heaven, amen. And I know for most of the kids, sometimes me and I, I was, I was a, you know, I was a, I was a holy child, of course. <laughs> and that's a lie. So, but anyway, but I, but I understood because as I was sharing last night, I grew up in a Christ-honouring home. But sometimes you just say, this is boring. Assembly's boring. I actually found listening to the teachers thrown on with their wee motivational speeches was boring. I didn't find the Lord's Prayer boring much. But a lot of kids did. But you know, our Father, and Shang, and Hallow, be thy neighbour. But think about it. Hundreds of thousands across the UK of children were saying that at much the same time. I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, there was a power in that. There was something about that, getting all these children, bored as they were, you know, just repeating it and chowing their gum. And, <laughs> amen? There was something about them saying that. Yeah. 
at the same time in unison across the nation. And how do we know that? Well, the minute they took it away, this nation started to go downhill, plummet. Because that release of God's will and purpose, thy kingdom come, and we, we knew it meant thy kingdom come into our nation. We knew when we were saying thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we were talking about around us. And, you know, it, it wasn't, I'm not saying that that alone was enough, because it wasn't. But when they took it away, we saw, we saw how much it was holding things together. So anyway, I don't know if I want to preach the Micah 4, I want to get into Micah chapter 2. Many nations shall come and say, come and let us go up to the mountain of Yahweh. In other words, let's get, let's get back to church. Let's see what those folks at church know that we don't. Amen? Let's see what those folks over at Gamgad are aware of that we need to know. And to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For the law shall go forth from Zion. It's just another name for the church or the house of God. And we, and the word of Yahweh from Jerusalem. And then, of course, he says, he will judge among many people, rebuke strong nations afar off. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up a sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Did you know that war has to be learned? War has to be learned. You know, you go to, you go to school and, um, you know, you just go in there and you're quite innocent. You just, you know, then some wee Ned comes up kicks you in the shins and asks you for your pocket money. Your change. Any change? Bang. Now you have to learn war. Or hand it over. Amen. Because there's always somebody out there wants to take what's yours or wants to beat you up or wants to bully you or intimidate you. And, and it happens at national level as well. And friends, we need to understand that war is learned, but so is the peace of God. And he says, there's coming a time, and how will it come? It'll come through the church. That's the clear implication here. It'll come from the mountain of Yahweh that men will learn war's not fruitful. War's not productive. War's not a good thing. And in this day and age, the capacity to wage war is so great that, you know, it only takes two or three bombs to wipe us out. If we go nuclear. A nuclear option. That's not what I want to speak about. I want to speak about something a wee bit more positive than that, um, rather than the threat of Armageddon or whatever. Turn to Micah chapter 2, it's just a couple of pages back, if you're following along. There's a few verses in here that I just want to speak about very quickly this morning. I, I shared these yesterday at the gathering because I believe it's important to start a new year with, with, a, with a vision. And it's not really a new vision, but a fresh, a freshened vision for us. You might have noticed down at the hall, as you go into the, the other, the, into the hall, we put a poster up a few weeks ago um, of, and on the poster is a picture of this building, this church, full. 
And some of you remember that. Some of you, that was your reality. You experienced it. And you lived through it. And I think most of us have been in churches like that, where it's been full-packed, even if just for conventions. We've all, we all remember days when churches were a lot fuller, if not totally full, standing room only. Sadly, nowadays, you only get that at certain funerals. But I believe that God is wanting want to give us a vision. Now, let me just say this. That picture down there in the poster is from quite a while back, I think 60s or something. So we don't want to see folks all in here dressed like that. <coughs> Amen? I don't, I'm not saying anything wrong with the dress. What I'm trying to say to you is, is, is that you, our vision isn't to have the church full of people in retro clothing. Amen? Our vision is just to have people full, uh, to have this church full, should I say, of people who are hungry for the Lord. In 2023, not 1963. Amen? Because a lot of churches, we were, we were in a church um, on Friday, and what a glorious place in the past it's been, and still is today, a great, great church over in Greenock Shrothers Memorial Church. Pastor Hugh Black ministered many years. I think it's his daughter that does it now. And they're still stewarding a lot of what they had. And what a preciousness there is in that place. Like here, a great history of people being blessed, getting saved. And so it's so important, you know, sometimes to keep... It, it's not sentimental to keep these old churches going. It's because they were such a blessing... And, you know, let me just say this. What a tragedy when churches close. When the buildings get sold off or flats. Or some rich guy buys it and turns it into a house. We don't want that. It's not about the buildings. But it's what the buildings represent. And signify. And the heritage. And the history. And the good tradition. Amen. The legacy, if you want to call it that. So... To have that visual reminder down there of a time when the church was full. And, I, and, and our vision should be to see it full again. And not just this church, like I said, but every church where the gospel is preached. In Scotland. In the United Kingdom. Amen. And across the nations. So there's a few verses from Micah chapter 2 I want to just read to you where the prophet here is speaking to Israel of old, but I believe that the Lord would speak to us today through this. And I believe there's a particular thing in one of these verses that directly speaks to us here in 2023, and even this very week, that's why I really want to emphasize this. Verse 12 of Micah chapter 2, I will surely assemble, O Jacob, all of you, I will surely gather the remnant of Israel. I said it yesterday, and I'll say it again, revival, which is what I'm speaking about, comes through remnants. Through a few people getting together and saying, you know what, we're going to have a move of God. We're going to pray for it. We're going to believe for it. We're going to do whatever it takes to have it. We're going to see the church full again. Not just so we can boast, oh, your church is full. You know, we've got a full church. You don't. It's not about that. 
it's about God gets glory, the more backsides are on these chairs. Amen? I would say the more bums are on these chairs, but we don't want bums in church, do we? No. <laughs> We've already had plenty then. <laughs> you don't want God filling the, the, the church with bums. So we'll use that term backside. We mean souls. That's what we mean. Souls. Precious souls. Souls have to be as precious to us as they are to the Lord. He says, I will assemble, I will surely gather the remnant of Israel. I will bring, and he says, I'll bring them in. I will gather them. I will put them together as the sheep of Bozra, as the flock in the midst of their fold. Uh, what he's saying is, there'll be sheep. You know, again, if you just pray, oh Lord, fill this place full of people. Well, you know, people are made up of two types of people in Scripture. The sheep and the goats. So again, be very careful because you might just end up with a bunch of goats. And we've all been in church, churches like that, haven't we? You know, how do you know someone's a, 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 a goat? Uh, but, uh, but, pastor, uh, but, 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 wait a minute, but hold on. Goats do a lot of button. Amen. So let's, he says, I'll gather them as sheep. I will put them together as the sheep of Bozra, as the flock in the midst of their fold. You know, my, Micah spoke about the tower of the flock, which is where they believe that they, they believe that that's where the shepherds were in the field the night Jesus was born. And the tower of the flock, that's where they got sheep, the, the best sheep for sacrifice, a sheep without blemish. So he's saying, I'll put them together as the sheep of Bozra as the flock in the midst of their fold. What he's saying here is this, is that he's bringing them into the sheepfold. And the sheepfold is a church, isn't it? So it won't just be people that, you know, um, floaters, visitors. It's people that come and say, this is my fold. And we need to believe that. And as I said, not just for ourselves, but for other churches that are struggling. We know churches that are struggling after COVID. They're not getting back the numbers. They're struggling. Let's pray against that, friends, and pray the opposite happens, that more people come to church than ever before, than, than before COVID. As the flock in the midst of their fold. Now watch what it says. They shall make great noise by reason of the multitude of men. And I shared this yesterday. I said, we need to start believing that this place is noisy. And I don't mean noisy with, you know, people, neds and boisterous and uh, all that. I mean noisy just because there's that many of them. And noisy because they just want to praise God. I mean, last night the praise was, was great in that wee place, wasn't it? Upbeat and so on. And, and it's just good to have a bunch of Christians together Praising the Lord. And we want that here. We want more, more voices added to our praise and worship, don't we? Noisy. Even just coming up, as I said, just coming up those steps, hearing the buzz. People just blathering, chatting away, talking about the goodness of God. 
We need to be intentional, folks, about these things. Just check my time here. Yeah, that's all right. We'll get another, I've got another or two left. <laughs> Listen, as long as I get laughs, I'll keep cracking that joke. So anyway, multitudes on our mind. I like that picture down there and other pictures we have because multitudes is in God's heart. When Jesus said, when he saw the multitudes, when Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion because they were sheep without a shepherd. Multitudes move the heart of God, brothers and sisters. If you want to see the compassion of God, get a bunch of folks together. Then it says here, verse 13, the breaker has come up before them, or the, the one who breaks through, the leader, has come up before them. He's talking about people who break through into different realms of God. They have broken up and have passed through the gate and have gone out by it. Well, do you know what I said this yesterday? Loads of churches don't have gates. We've got gates. Amen? So we're prophetic. We're in Tharsis Street. Tharsis is in the Bible. Amen? Not a lot of churches can say, you know, if you're on Main Street or whatever, do you know what I mean? You're not in the Bible. You're in the Bible. <laughs> we're a biblical church. We're, we're actually named in, in Isaiah. And it says, I've passed the gate and I've gone out by it. And this is the bit I want to speak about just as we close. And their king shall pass before them and Yahweh on the head of them or at the head of them. He's talking here about Israel's king. Or he's talking here about the king of the nation. And I, I want us to be, I shared this yesterday very briefly because I know we don't have a lot of time left. Um, I was sharing the vision of John McPhee and the folks over uh, in Battlefield uh, way in the 20th century. They had this vision of our time of a king, a godly Davidic shepherd king on the throne of Britain who would lead the nation back to the Lord. And that's what he's talking about here. Their king shall pass before them and Yahweh on the head of the king of Israel, the king of Judah. Because Israel was split into two kingdoms. So, the point being, the king shall lead them, pass before them, we need to believe. See, we don't just pray for our king, King Charles, as we prayed for our queen. Just even because we're commanded to, we pray for a purpose. Because think about this. If we had a royal house that was sold out to the Lord, and boldly speaking the gospel, boldly speaking the word of God, I don't have a problem with Charles saying that he's a defender of people of all faiths. Amen? Because he's supposed to be. And if that's what he meant by it, which I think is what he meant by it, then, then I think that's the right thing. But we need to pray for our king. And we need to pray for that shepherd king that I believe he's talking about here in other prophetic scriptures, as John McPhee and other people have said, believe here in Britain for a king, a monarch, that is sold out to the Lord, like his forefather David. Imagine what the impact that would have. <coughs> Told the story the other day to someone about, I think it was Queen Elizabeth, 
I, was it, I think it was Churchill. Somebody came, somebody came to see her father during the war, I believe it was, and said, we're, we're here to see that we need to speak to the king. And I think it was Queen Elizabeth that turned around and said, oh, you'll have to wait. He's in conference with his king, meaning he was at prayer. Imagine the impact on the nation if we had, if it was King Charles or, you know, a man of prayer, a man of faith, a man of the word of God. What an impact that would make. Much like you could say our late queen was. But someone really sold out. A king shall pass before them. And we need to keep praying for King Charles. We need to keep praying for a royal family. Because we live in a kingdom. A natural kingdom. And you know, I, I feel sorry for Americans and other places. They don't have kings. We have a royal house. We have a kingdom, a united kingdom. You notice all the attacks are on that unity that we have here in Britain. Notice all the attacks are on our royal house because the devil knows that in such things there's a power that if, they're, if they align right, then they bring, you, you'll see revival in the land because God's, God's Deals and always has, always has through kings, leaders of nations, even Nebuchadnezzar and other nations, Pharaoh. God would always deal with heads of nations. Why? Because they represent people. We're running out of time. You've heard me say some of these things before, but let me extort, extort you, not extort you, exhort you. <laughs> that, was, that was a poor choice of words. Exhort you to pray for a royal house to pray for this gathering that God wants to do in the churches in other words revival revival and he says seeing our king it might be King Charles it might be William it might be you know but let's believe God for this vision to come to pass a consecrated land full of consecrated saints led by a consecrated, sold out to Jesus King. Let's believe that, folks. Amen.